Hey, podcast listener. Do you love talking about movies, music, TV, comics, and games? Then you should be listening to The Great Pop Culture Debate, back in bigger than ever for Season 9. This season, the panelists discuss the best James Bond film, the best Elton John single, the best Nickelodeon original series, the best Batman villain, and so much more. Find the show wherever you listen to podcasts or head to greatpopculturedebate.com. More than 100 topics are already available. Subscribe today. Hello, and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing, where each week I'm joined by a panel of guests to discuss all things fandom from the female perspective. Everything from Star Wars, to The Office, to cosplay, to fanfic. It's all right here, so sit back and enjoy this week's episode. Hello, and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing and our very first Supernatural episode. As I've mentioned before, we are doing a six-part epic celebration of Supernatural, And I guarantee each episode is going to be epically long. And this one might be one of the longest ones because we're covering Eric Kripke. Um, But, you know, they might actually also be two-parters. But there's a lot to say about a show that's been on for 15 years. And as I've said before, this podcast would not exist really without this show. So that makes it even more special. Um, And I'll just quickly let you know what the episodes are going to be. So we're going to cover all four showrunners for the first four episodes. So that's Eric Kripke, Sarah Gamble, Jeremy Carver, and then Andrew Dabb. And then we're going to do an episode just covering stuff that we might not have covered, like ships, fanfic, the actual SPN family, stuff like that, meta episodes, stuff like that. And then we're going to do an episode of just every different people's reaction to the series finale. So there's going to be a lot of people on that one. So that'll be an interesting episode. So before we get into that, just a little quick housekeeping note. Um, we are taking listener support. As you know, for as little as 99 cents a month to $9.99 a month, you can either follow the link in the show notes or go to our anchor page and click listener support and donate there. And as I've said before, from now until the foreseeable future, every month, 50% of what we see from that will be going to an individual Black Lives Matter organization. Okay, so let's go around and have everybody introduce themselves and tell me one thing that they're excited about in pop culture right now. I'll start with you, Judy. Hi, yeah, my name is Judy, and um, I know this is the Supernatural episode, but I've got to say, the thing that I'm excited right now about is Supernatural. We are one episode away from the very last one. I am a DCL shipper, and so uh, since one of the recent episodes, I don't want to give anything away, but I have been walking on air. So I've pretty much been obsessing over Supernatural for the last week or so. (laughs) Yeah, and we will definitely um, be covering that when we cover um, the Andrew Dabb era. And then we have a first-time guest on next, um, Jill. I'm very excited to have you on. I'm excited to be on, too. In the background. So Jill, (laughs) if you want to introduce yourself, just tell me one thing that you're excited about right now in pop culture. Uh, well, I'm Jill, and um, like Judy, I think I'm pretty much supernatural, supernatural, supernatural right now. Um, I just did a, um, over September, October, I did an entire series binge over a very short amount of time, and then rolled right into the new episodes. So that's pretty much been my focus for the last two and a half months. So yeah, pretty much supernatural. Um, the only other thing I'm kind of focused on now, I got through my binge, um, and now I'm catching up on The Mandalorian second season. So 
I'm kind of excited about that right now. Awesome. And like I predicted, each episode, one person is going to be excited about that. I predicted that for a while because everybody keeps talking about it. And Sarah? Um, well, uh, you know, Mandalorian, of course. Um, we're into the uh, third episode of uh, season two, and it was amazing if you've seen it. Um, and am uh, excited and interested to see how the uh, series for Supernatural is going to end next week. Um, I don't think it hit me uh, until this week. Um, I don't want to give away any spoilers, but there's a, a kind of a little thing at the end and it just, you know, brought in all the feels. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll be sharing my thoughts about that eventually. <laughs> um, and Sasha. So I'll deviate from everybody else. Yes. I'm still on the supernatural train, but um, because it is the Kripke episode, uh, I did the boys. I did the boys. Ooh, that sounded bad. I watched the boys. Ooh, wow. Going there already. Sorry, Aaron. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> so bad. I mean, Carl um, Urban is involved, so I mean, I, well, I, can, I can understand it. Um, now, here's my... I know everybody's really excited that I watched the boys. I didn't love it. I know. I know. I I have a friend who was really excited for me to watch it, and when I told them that I didn't love it either, they were devastated. I'm like, I'm devastated. I wanted to love it because it's Kripke. My problem is I think it's too real for me right now. I like more fantasy in my fantasy show than reality, and this is, it's way too close to home. So um, I'm hoping that it might be my headspace, so I'm going to go back and watch it again later and see if I can make it i'm, I'm gonna force myself to love it one way or another <clears throat> and i'm done talking right yeah it's um it's very it's very real as uh we discussed on our the boys episode and judy of course was on that one um yeah it's it does hit close to home with a lot of things going on so and this is aaron and what i'm into is you can watch the rock and roll hall of fame inductee ceremony on hbo max right now and it was such a great thing to watch this past weekend or last weekend, um, you know, hard things going on in the world and personally, and it just was really helpful to watch that. And as I've stated before, music is like my first love. And what was really special about this one is Nine Inch Nails and Depeche Mode were being inducted. And they basically shaped my life. My teenage to young adulthood was shaped by that music. So it was very powerful to see them being inducted and I cried. And yeah, so it was really, really good. So I highly recommend watching that. Um, and once again, that's on HBO Max. Okay, so we're going to get into Supernatural. And the way I'm going to start each one of these is go around and just have everybody just say, how they got into Supernatural, how long you've been watching it, if it's from the beginning or if you started later on. Um, Judy? Um, one day I was channel surfing, um, just flipping through channels, flipping through channels, and I came across this really bizarre thing where this dude is being chased down the street by a unicorn, <laughs> and he gets stabbed by the unicorn, and then the unicorn runs off farting rainbows, and I was, I distinctly remember saying to myself, that looks like the dumbest show ever made. And I kept on going. <laughs> so not long after that, um, 
my cousins told me about this wonderful show. You've got to watch it. You know, if you like The Walking Dead, you'll probably like this. It's, you know, monsters and that kind of stuff. And they were way into it. So um, I, that summer, I binged seasons one through seven over the summer. And it was the funniest thing when I got to Plucky Penny Whistles, Magical Menagerie. And I'm watching it. I'm like, that's the unicorn episode. <laughs> I said, till I saw that, I had no idea that I had called Supernatural the dumbest show in creation. <laughs> that's awesome. So that's my introduction to it. And then from season eight on, I watched live, you know, as, as they went. Mm-hmm. That's, that's awesome. Because I can <laughs> see, I mean, if you were to tune in and see that, you'd be like, okay, what in the world is this? This is ridiculous. And Jill? Uh, well, I started from episode one um, when it aired. Um, I had seen a commercial for it, thought it looked really, really interesting, was kind of in my wheelhouse of something I would like. Um, I also thought it was something my mom would like. She kind of liked, you know, fantasy and, and, you know, ghost stuff. So I had told her about it. We both watched the first episode and talked about it. And she's like, oh, it's interesting. And I loved it. Um, we watched the second episode and I called her to see what she thought. And she said, yeah, it's too gory for me. Mom was out at episode two <laughs> and I've stuck with it ever since. And I remember distinctly and for, for new viewers, it'd be probably hard to understand this. But in those early seasons, it was very serious that we might not have another season. So at the end of season one, people were writing letters and um, everybody was panicking that it wasn't going to go on. And that's how we're going to end this show. You know, um, and we got season two and it was very exciting. And the end of season two, Oh my goodness, are we going to have a season three? And that went on and on. And I think until probably season five or six, where we finally felt like, Oh yeah, we're okay. We're going to, we're going to be back next year. <laughs> and then not until these later seasons did it become automatic like you didn't even think about whether there was going to be another season you know um but that's kind of my distinct memories of that those first few seasons is just being constantly frantic that it wasn't going to come back and that that was the end especially when they would leave you on a cliffhanger that you were never going to know what was going to happen um so yeah so i've been there since the start and it's been quite the ride um but they they never lost me anywhere along the way yeah, I can't, I can't imagine, since I didn't watch it from the very beginning, I can't imagine being afraid that you wouldn't be able to find out if they all survived at the end of the car crash, or you wouldn't be able right. to find out it, what happened to Dean after he went to hell, that yeah. kind of stuff. That would be that would be really hard to deal yeah, with. It, it was really hard. I mean, people, I remember there were letter writing campaigns and things going on mm-hmm. because everybody wanted it to come back. Um, so I'm the fact that they survived those first few seasons is amazing that we're now to season 15. Yeah. And they also survived a network change. Switch. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, you know, from the WB to the CW, I mean, that's pretty incredible too. So yeah, they've survived a lot, which, which is fitting with the show, I think. So, <laughs> and Sarah. Um, I did not start watching until maybe about seven years ago. Um, my, uh, my friend Jana had been trying to get me into it. Um, and I'm like, yeah, I know I need to watch. I need to watch. And, you know, this is when streaming services, uh, started becoming very popular. Um, and it was on Netflix. Um, so I was doing, I had an embroidery job as I do embroidery. 
uh, uh, for a local uh, high school's cheerleading team. Um, and uh, it was a very big job and uh, took a lot of time. And I had to babysit my embroidery machine. So I started watching Supernatural. And I think I went through seasons one through eight in about three months. <laughs> um, you know, to the point where my family's like, what are you doing? Oh, you're watching Supernatural again. Yes, I am. I'm sorry. Um, and then I was just, I, I mean, from, I, I would say I was hooked from the first episode. Um, and I think I got all caught up for season, or no, maybe it was one through seven. And I, bought, I don't remember. Oh my God, it's been so long, but I ended up buying one season on DVD because it wasn't out on Netflix yet and binge that and was all caught up by the time the next season started. And I have just been obsessed ever since. Awesome. And Sasha. Um, I came in, I want to say like after season four, like between four and five is when I started. Um, and it was, it started out as something that I wanted to watch. Like my daughter wanted to watch it. And I was like, Hmm, what are we doing? Where are we going with this? And then uh, both of us quickly became obsessed and my obsession continued and hers kind of faded. So, um, but it was right around four or five. So I didn't suffer through the endings of one and two or three, like everybody else. Like I knew, I was like, okay, move on. Like, where's where's our next, what's happening? Um, but then, yeah, after the rest of them, it was like, okay, like Jill said, it just kind of, you knew that they were coming back. So I did start not quite late, but not at the very beginning either. For some reason, I thought you had started it at the, you were one of the ones who'd watched it from the very beginning, but yeah, yeah, no. yeah, oh, cool. Well, and the way I discovered it was in 2014 is when I started watching it because Netflix kept recommending it to me and I knew about the show. I think I had seen the pilot or a couple episodes when it premiered. Like I remember brief, like when I started watching, I was like, oh, I remember seeing this scene and I had been a Jensen Ackles fan since days of our lives. So that was kind of why I'd kind of checked it out. But I, it, for some reason it didn't stick with me or I didn't continue watching it. And this time I was like, okay, since it's streaming and I can watch it in my own time, I'll go ahead. I'll give it a shot. And I didn't really, really get into it until late season one, early season two. Actually, the first episode of season two is when I really, really, really got emo emotionally invested in it. I got hooked on Dean right away, but the rest of it took a while for me to get into. Um, but yeah, but and then it became like one of my favorite shows. And then I discovered the fandom and I had no idea this show had a fandom around it, which makes me sound so stupid now. But I really had no clue. I was like really there's a passionate fandom behind this show and then I discovered that and then became friends with people and then eventually became friends with people locally and you know as I said this podcast came about so yeah so it's it's changed a lot of things in my life which is amazing yeah Jill did you um, have something you yeah, you were talking about you found out there was a fandom. It's funny, I was watching since the beginning, but I didn't come into the fandom until very, very late. Oh. Um, probably not until the last maybe five years. Um, so, yeah, I was well out of that. I was just watching the show every week and, you know, not sharing it with anybody because I didn't know anybody else who watched. So it was just kind of my own thing that I watched. 
Um, and the fandom really changed it. It's really nice to have people to talk about it with and be excited about it with. It makes, mm-hmm. it makes a difference. It really does. And it, it heightens your viewing experience. It makes you enjoy it more. It makes you enjoy the characters more. It look, makes you enjoy the episodes more, I think. So, yeah, that's And it's also nice to get a different perspective because mm-hmm. there are certain things that I just love. And then people come in and go, oh, I hated that because of this. And I'm like, oh, I never even thought about that. So yeah. it's kind of yeah. interesting that, that certain, you know, you can love things that other people hate, but you still love the same show mm-hmm. for different reasons. Very true. Very true. I've, I've had a lot of that. And I want to say we did a poll. Um, we're doing a lot of polls in these few weeks about Supernatural. And we did one just seeing who everybody's favorite showrunner was. And Kripke won <laughs> solidly. But I have to say this poll had uh, over a thousand votes on it, <laughs> which no poll we've ever done is that many votes on it. And I don't know how that even happened, but somebody found it, retweeted it, retweeted, retweeted. And it was a, it was like, it really showed you the passion of the fan base because people were so upset when people would be voting for dab season. Um, and people were pissed that dab was like second for a little bit. And then um, it kind of ended up where it was Kripke, of course, like 80 something percent. And then Gamble and dab were kind of tied. And then Carver was last which kind of surprised me. Um, but a lot of people were very upset and were like, what idiots, to, you know, and that's when you see, I mean, this fandom can be great and then it can also be very toxic. Um, so yeah, but it was pretty incredible to watch the passion of this poll. And this person kept retweeting it and going, keep voting so that they know Kripke is the best. Like we're deciding this big thing and we have this power. It was really interesting and funny, but it really showed you um, the power of the fandom. So let's get into Kripke. Um, And I also did a poll just seeing what everybody's favorite season was. And it was pretty tight, but really season four won um, as everyone's favorite. That's my all-time favorite season period. So I thought that was pretty cool. But we're going to go through each season individually and just talk about certain aspects of it. So season one, um, let's talk about the pilot, because I think it's good to talk about the pilot for any show that's been on for 15 seasons. And, of course, you know, the epic line from Dean of Dad's been on a hunting hunting trip. So I just want to get first impressions of the pilot, Judy. Yeah, my first thing that I noticed and really liked was just the aesthetic. I love that dark gritty um americana you know they they looked like they were always wearing hand-me-downs their clothes had holes in them they were broke they i I just i don't know i just thought it was a really cool aesthetic um and also just the way it was filmed um just kind of that dark uh drab colors and everything to give it that old horror movie feeling so, yeah, I really like that about the pilot. And, um, uh, you know, I go back and watch it now, and I do have to laugh at some of the acting choices. <laughs> I mean, um, Jensen's a pretty much a fantastic actor no matter what. Jared was a little rough. <laughs> Took him a little bit of time to come into the character. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I loved him later on. By the midseason, he was good. But boy, that first episode, he was just so passionate. <laughs> so, you know, I kind of have to giggle about that first episode. But I loved the, um, 
the idea of it. Um, just the idea of these two boys and their father um, living this strange life of being on the road, living out of their car on stolen credit cards, broke all the time. I don't know. It just really sparked my imagination of um, not just where this story is going to go, but just thinking of their past and and all of that had happened in between. Yeah, I just thought it was a, a really great way to start a story. And I must say, I've heard that um, from Kripke that originally his pitch and his idea for them that they were going to be um, like reporters, friends that were reporters or whatever. I am so glad he turned them into brothers. Um, it just changed the entire dynamic. It, it increased the um, stakes it gave it lay the groundwork for them being the you know the root of this whole apocalypse number one, <laughs> and um, yeah, I just I love that they were brothers and their backstory just fascinates me. See, so, yeah, I was hooked from the beginning. <laughs> yeah, I I don't think it would have lasted at all the the length that it has if he had stuck with that. I think it would have been like a one season, maybe two season thing. At least that's my thought because there's so much more depth when you add the brother relationship to there and that and also their mother dying and all that. So, yeah, it, I don't think it would have lasted. This thing and, really is a story about love. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know, it really mm-hmm. is. Yeah. And Jill? Yeah, I can't imagine it not being about brothers because that is what drew me in immediately um, was their relationship. This, and, and it's less so now, but at, in that first season, definitely they were – polar opposites, Sam and Dean. Um, And that juxtaposition of the two of them together, working together to solve the crime of the week, um, the monster of the week, um, is what draw me in. Um, I know a lot of people don't like the monster of the week concept, you know, that they prefer more of the arcs, you know, the story arcs that we have now. Um, But I kind of really loved the monster of the week episodes. Um, If I had to list my favorite episodes, a lot of them are in first season um, because I just love them. I love the rawness of them and the, and they're, I think they're scarier. Um, but that, that pilot, the, the, the relationship with the brothers, um, the solving the crime together, solving the mystery together um, is, is really, really what drew me in immediately. I liked both of them right off the bat. Um, and I find it interesting going back and looking now how the, how the early on, it seemed to be very Sam focused the storylines were more focused on Sam. Now they're, they've it's shifted to Dean over time. Um, but that first season is very apparent that Sam is the focus. It's from Sam's point of view, basically. Um, but yeah, the, just this relationship and this story of this life of traveling. And, and like Judy said, I love the fact that they're not these heroes at the beginning. They're, they're using stolen credit cards and they're, they're hustling pool and they're, they're not necessarily good guys. You know, they're guys who are hunting monsters and they're, and, you know, Dean even early on doesn't really even seem to care much about the people he's saving. It's great. He's saving them, but he doesn't have this emotional attachment to, I'm going to save this person because they should be saved. It's just, man, there's a monster. I'm going to kill it. Um, So I love that Sam had that opposite view that, um, that he was focused on the people. And I think he, he has changed Dean over time 
And Dean has probably changed him over time, made him a little harder. Um, but that in that pilot episode, th those two different positions are very, very clear. Interesting. I, I have a lot of thoughts on that that I'll get into when I talk about Dean and Sam, because I have a little bit of a different opinion on that. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, like I warned our audience, I am the biggest Dean girl that I know. So you will see me side with Dean a lot. <laughs> oh, I'm I really with Dean biased. too. I'm also a Dean oh, girl. Yeah, no, I'm really but biased. So I, I have like a different, different view on it. But I, so I think it's just interesting, but I can see exactly what, what you're saying though. But yeah. And then Sarah. You know, getting into it um, or, or discovering it later on, um, I don't know if I had that. Uh, I, I don't I'm not quite sure what I'm trying to say here, but like Jill watching it from the beginning and not knowing what the story is and not knowing the background of the characters um, probably had a little bit different feeling watching that very first episode and not knowing anything about it, then someone who's getting into it several years later and, and having some idea of the background and that they're brothers and, and everything. And actually that was really interesting. What Judy said about uh, Kripke originally pitching it, that they were going to be reporter friends. I actually had no idea. And I don't see that working at all. Um, at least not for 15 years. <laughs> Um, I don't think it would have lasted as long as it has if they if they weren't brothers, um, if their mother hadn't died, if Jess hadn't died, um, you know, trying trying to find their father who who has disappeared. Um, I think it worked a lot better with that. Um, so that was actually very interesting. Thank you. <laughs> because I didn't know. Um, I mean, I you know, again, like I said, I was hooked just from the beginning, it just sucked me in. Um, you know, uh, I, I don't know. I, I like shows like that. I was a huge X-Files fan. Um, so very familiar with the Monster of the Week um, uh, idea there. Um, you know, and then getting more into the, the story arcs later on. Um, so it did. It just sucked me in. And of course, the first episode has given me one of my Favorite lines, which I quote frequently, driver picks the music, shotgun shots his cake hole, which I say frequently to my children, or well, at least my youngest who complains about the music I listen to, which is, again, mostly classic rock and <laughs> metal. So I relate to Dean that way. Um, you know, I don't, I really don't have much more to say that, that uh, uh, Judy and Jill have not covered already. Um, so I just don't want to really reiterate um, what, what they've said, but yeah, I mean, I really felt like that first season was very, very much Sam focused and him coming to terms with, uh, you know, after being away and after being at college and then being sucked back into this life and him, coming to terms with that and, and struggling with that, that this is, you know, this is what it's going to be now. Um, and then, you know, I know season two, we'll get into a little bit more about him and, and yellow eyes and, and that. <laughs> so I won't discuss that now. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, I, I, I mean, that, that was my first episode and really, grabbed me from the beginning and, and sucked me in. I have been loving it ever since. 
Yeah, I have a bumper sticker that says the driver picks the music shotgun shots. <laughs> you do too? <laughs> you do too, Sarah? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I do. <laughs> I put to it every once in a while. I'm like, yeah. and the kids just roll their eyes and they're like, please take all the stickers off your car, mom. <laughs> yeah. And Sasha. Um, I mean, everybody kind of covered it. Like, I, you know, I totally, I agree. But I, like Joe, I'm a big fan of the Monster of the Week. I like that. Um, because it's it's Scooby-Doo for grown-ups is what it is. You know, it's just, it's Scooby-Doo. It's the Monster of the Week. What's the bad thing? Let's go kill the bad thing. We're done. And I, you know, I do, I enjoy all of those some of them are real, real bad, real bad. And, uh, but some of them are a lot of fun. So I do like the monster of the week. I was hooked, you know, again, the, the brother relationship had me hooked at the beginning. I love them both. Um, so I was in for it. Uh, not so much a fan of, uh, John for a while there. Um, mostly, you know, let's talk about daddy issues. Um, so there was a lot of that for me where I was like, I, you're just a dick. Go away. <laughs> just go away. Let them do their thing. Don't keep pulling them back in. Um, so, yeah. And I see Erin's face. So she's got comments. Oh, no. I'm just like, I can't wait till I get to trash John later. <laughs> oh, <my goodness. laughs> I was like, oh, no. Another reason Erin's going to kick me off her podcast eventually. No, 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 no. <laughs> Six times all over again. Yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> Well, begin your, because I want to hear it. Oh, well, I'm going to first get into just the pilot. And then when we get into John, I'll, I'll go on a whole rant about John. (laughs) Um, But the, yeah, the pilot, you know, it's, it's funny because it's funny because a lot of people say the first season, like I know you mentioned it, Jill, and I know a lot of people say that it's scary. I will be honest with you. It didn't scare me except for um, the Bloody Mary episode because that story always scares me anyway. And a couple of others towards the end um, did. But but it didn't scare me as much. I think further down the line, I think it got scarier and then it became cheesy again. That's kind of the way I view it. Um, but but the pilot, I I you know, the pilot was interesting because – I really loved Dean right away. I didn't know what to think of Sam because, and I think it might've been the acting, like you mentioned, Judy, I think that might've been part of it. It also felt very um, teenage soap opera kind of thing. And while there are shows that I like like that, I was like, I don't want to find another one like that. So it felt very similar to almost like um, Dawson's Creek set in a supernatural world in a way. And I'm just talking about Sam as part of the story, not other stuff. Until they got into hunting the lady in white and got a little bit away from the Jess and Sam storyline. I I do. I mean, it was sad that Jess died. I didn't feel attachment to her, but it was sad that she died. To me, it was just a way to cause man pain and to cause the story to go forward. Just the same with with their mom dying. Um, And what I think is interesting about um, what it what it used to be is I also heard something and I don't know if this is true or not. I should have looked it up because I totally forgot about until now that it originally was actually, there was a time when they were thinking about it being a brother and sister and not two brothers. And I think actually Dean's character was going to be the sister, but I could be totally wrong on that. Um, But it also 
Kripke also based those two characters on the characters from On the Road and also Han Solo and Luke Skywalker, which, of course, Sam is Luke Skywalker and Dean is Han Solo, um, which is also very fascinating to me because it fits completely. <laughs> Both of those fit the whole storyline, I think. Um, but, yeah, I, I liked it a lot. I loved um, the quotable lines. Um you know, when you watch the first season on Netflix, you don't get the same music that everybody else does when you first watched it. So the music wasn't as great. So I was so happy on the second season when you got the classic rock and stuff, because that's totally my jam. Um, but yeah, I was I was hooked, um, but hooked more in a curious way, not hooked in the way that I am now. That happened, like I said, later on in season one and mainly in season two in the very first episode of season two. So, yeah. Okay, well, let's get into Dean and Sam. And I just want to get overall thoughts on Dean and Sam. Um, we can just take it from these five seasons, just because we're only going to be talking about the first five seasons. So what are your overall thoughts on Dean and Sam, Judy? Yeah, I really liked them both um, almost immediately. Uh, and for, for different reasons, you know, like we've already talked about, Sam was the 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 sweetheart and the one who was always thinking about everybody and caring about everyone and Dean was just this funny snarky Han Solo, um, but then pretty quickly we get more depth from Dean and I love that um, you know by episode three we start to um, hear that like he's not over his mother's death from 22 years ago he's still reflecting on the fact that he watched his mother burn or you know we don't know how much exactly he saw but it was a major trauma in his life um and we really start to get what a complex character is you know we see him have that uh internal battle with wanting to be the obedient soldier or his father's good son um and then you know the we we start to get a glimpse of how much he hates himself and how alone he feels in his absolute fear of um, abandonment and you just don't expect that much complexity in a character you know from a monster hunting show <laughs> um yeah i just i i just loved it and then um you know the other thing that we see about sam is that he looks like this gentle sweetheart on the outside but we start to see that there's something really going on inside of Sam. He's he's got this angry streak and this stubborn streak, and and there's something underneath all of that too. So both of these characters end up being so much more complex and deep than you think they're going to be. And uh, so that's that that was another thing that pulled me in. Yeah, that's that's very true. And I know I, if you don't want to answer, you don't have to, but. Who's your favorite of the two brothers? I'm a Dean girl. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be asking that of everybody. Yeah. If you don't want to say, you don't have to, because I know this fandom is very sensitive. Yeah. Oh, and... <laughs> I by no means don't love Sam. I love Sam. Yeah. Um, but, you know, sometimes because I'm a DCL sheeper, sometimes people assume that I don't like Sam. And I do. I love Sam. But Dean's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Awesome. Awesome. And then Jill. Um, well, I'll just say right off the bat, I also love them both, but totally a Dean girl, um, right from the get-go. Um, and uh, I agree with Judy that both of the characters are so flawed and mm. so deep. They, they've got so much history. Um, and, 
you know, they're not one dimensional at all. There's so much to both of them. They both have, they have a shared history, but it's a very different history. Dean's history was like Judy said, the obedient soldier, and he was the protector of Sam. Sam being the younger one is more of a, you know, I'm tired of everybody telling me what to do. I want to be my own person. So he's kind of separated himself from what Dean is listening to dad and being the soldier. And he doesn't have that scarring that Dean has of having to be the one in charge of being the one with everything on his shoulders, you know, watch Sam, take care of Sam, help me out, do this. You know, he, he's a dad. Sam being the kid gets to be more of a kid. He doesn't have that weight on his shoulders and he doesn't have that, that pressure that Dean has. So he gets to be the one to step back and say, I don't want to do any of this. I'm going to do my own thing. You guys are wrong. But as they grow as characters and work together, I think they both start seeing the other one's side um, more clearly. And that's when Dean starts maybe rebelling a little bit against dad, taking Sam's side instead of dad's side. And where, D and where Sam starts realizing that hunting is not as bad as he thought it was because maybe there's some good in it as well. And so I think they, they merge a little bit. They're, they're, they're so far apart at the beginning. And I think they slowly start to see each other's point of view and start to grow together. Um, and then throughout the series, I mean, even to this day, we're, we're still pulling out those layers of pain. And, and it's, again, it's a different pain for both of them. But we, I think over 15 years, the fact that those characters are still building on that that depth is pretty amazing. And that's probably why they have 15 seasons because they're still interesting characters. If they were very one dimensional, we'd be bored with them by now, but they're definitely not boring. Yeah, well said, well said, really like that. And then Sarah. Um, yeah, what uh, uh, Judy and Jill said, uh, <laughs> you know, um, <clears throat> you know I, I think, again, I love them both. Um, I kind of go back and forth between Dean and Sam, but I think overall my favorite is Dean. Um, he is, he's very broken and, and damaged, but not, I don't want to say that in, in a bad way. He had to, given the circumstances, he had to grow up fast, um, too soon. And um, I think that has shaped him a lot <clears throat> to who he is now. And he does, he does continue to grow. And, and uh, as does Sam, um, you know, I think Sam has brought out a lot of uh, not to say that Dean wasn't a good person, but he's, he's brought out more of that emotion in Dean um, and vice versa. Dean has also, brought out a little bit more toughness in Sam. Um, you know, I, I mean, I, you know, again, I just, I was hooked on them from the beginning. Um, I, I'm not sure what more I can add um, to in between what Judy and Jill said and what, and what I've said. I don't think there's much more to add to that. Okay. And Judy, I know you <laughs> wanted to add something. Yeah, I like what you say about that he was he's broken. But to add to that, you know, sometimes broken people kind of take it out on the world. 
and he's this broken person, but also has this immense love of in his heart. And not only that, but I feel like everybody kind of falls in love with him a little bit too. Oh yeah. No, I, I, I definitely agree with that. I think, you know, because of, of how, how they grew up and, and how he was raised and having to be a father figure to Sam. Um, he also does have this little bit of, you know, trying to save everyone um, and, and trying to uh, help everyone in a way. Um, so yeah, I definitely agree with that one. Um, so yes to everybody and everything. Um, I, so I'll be the odd one out. I started out as a diehard Sam girl. Um, mostly I think it was not going to lie. Um, it was just Jared's height. (laughs) He was just like, so dang gone tall (laughs) and I'll keep it PG for this episode. Um, but yeah, I was just like, what? Well, you know, there are these, I have this saying where it's like, you know, I'd bang him like a screen door in a hurricane. That's just kind of how you feel about it. He so there's that, you know, man. and he's just, he's climbable, right? right. <laughs> what, what exactly are you trying to say there, Sasha? Well, you know, we're just going to go there with all of it. I, I did the boys earlier. It's fine. It's fine. She's Louise. Um, I am making I have shifted to more Dean um just because of again that like for me it's a very psychological thing and that's just kind of like my background and you know who I am as a person I like the psychology of everything so I like Dean he's very much the first born he's got to be in charge he's got to take care of everything and at the age of four take your brother get outside Take care of Sammy. Take care of Sammy. And when you go back and watch those first couple of seasons, at least twice in every season, Dean is screaming at Sam, like, my job is to take care of you. I have to take care of you. You know, and it's just like this this thing. So he's very much the firstborn kid that's got to, we got to follow the rules. This is what dad said. This is my job. I have to do it by the book. And Sam is very much the second born end of the line where it's like, hey, the first one survived. We'll see what happens with the next last one, you know. So anybody who has siblings understands that. Because the first one gets in all the trouble for everything they ever do. And then the younger sibling gets away with murder. You're like, what? Um, so I that dynamic for me and just, again, like, I hate to call him broken or damaged, but he's just so, ugh, for Dean. I, I don't, I want to find a better word, you know, but he just has so many things that are there. Um, and Sam has them just not in the same manner. And his, the way he deals with it is, uh, I don't know, more fluffy. Does that make sense? Sam is more fluffy in how he deals with Like, Dean is the, we're going to drive fast, we're going to listen to the music, and we're going to drink the whiskey. And Sam is like, I'm going to go out and drink demon blood. We'll figure it out. Like, it's not, he just comes across as different. <laughs> okay. Um, and warning, I have major issues with Sam, so I want to warn everybody about that. I'm not a 
big Sam fan. I, I like him sometimes, and sometimes I want to strangle him. So I do want to warn everybody ahead of time about that, because I'm sure I will have people coming at me for this, but just a warning. Um, Dean is me. I am Dean. I have never related to a character ever, ever, ever like I relate to Dean. And it's not so, you know, it's not so much like the hard drinking or like hunting monsters or anything like that. I don't do that. Um, it's the psychology of Dean. Um, to me, Dean is the most emotional character on the show and he always has been from day one. And I think what it is with Dean is it's not that he is because I hear a lot of people say that Dean doesn't know how to show emotion or he doesn't un understand emotion. That's not what it is at all. What it is, is that Dean is so afraid to show emotion and to show who he is because he has lost everybody in his life. And he also thinks he's worthless. He has no self-esteem. He thinks all he's good for is protecting Sammy, protecting the world, saving people, hunting things, the family business. That's all he thinks he's worth. And that was pounded into him a lot by his um, father, of course, which I'm going to get into that shortly here, too. Um, and then before I do that, just really quickly, Sasha, did you have something you wanted to add on that really quickly? I just want to say, like you're talking about the psychology, and I really, I know people have done it before, but I really want to do like an in-depth psychological analysis of Dean Winchester. Like, legit you know, go through the DSM and like go through some of the more pivotal episodes and see where he's at. I think that might be my next project because I he just has so many things and to see, you know, where it is just based on the episodes. Mm -hmm. So I would like at some point your opinion on the best episodes to do that with because I agree. It's all the psychology of him. Yeah, no, I will. I will give you a list. Any episode also where he looks in the mirror because he has this thing where he looks in the mirror a lot. And I think that's really important. Um, I wrote a whole fic that's still in work, a whole work, just Dean in therapy with him going through therapy. Because if any character deserves therapy, not needs, I don't like to say necessarily needs, but any character deserves therapy, it's Dean. He deserves to heal. And, and I know they all do, but I think Dean deserves it on a deeper level. And I'm an older sibling, and I totally understand the need to care for your younger sibling. Um, my sister and I didn't grow up with our fathers constantly in our life. We have different fathers and my sister's dad was, I despise that man and he was never around really. Um, and my own dad is a lot like John in a lot of ways. So, um, so that's probably where some of those issues come in with, that I have with John. Um, but I understand that thing of like with my sister, it's like my sister and I might fight and we get you know, we might get into really, really bad fights. And my sister's not like Sam, but I have the same kind of protectiveness. If anyone attacks my sister, anyone goes after my sister, I don't care who you are, how much I care about you. I will just attack you. I will go after you. I will not forgive you. Um, I will always take my sister's side. It doesn't even matter if my sister is right or not. And that's just something burned into me. And it happens a lot, I think, when you grow up in a single parent household and you kind of automatically take that on. My mom didn't like give that to me necessarily, but I just kind of took that on. So when you see like in um, in Something Wicked, the episode Something Wicked in the first season, when you see the flashbacks of when they're a kid and Dean is cooking for his brother and all that stuff and the caring and the guilt that he has and the way John talks to him um, when the thing they're hunting is goes in and, you know, is 
maybe going to kill Sam or go after Sam and the guilt he feels. And he's a little kid. He shouldn't have to deal with that. Um, like John even tells him in season two, um, you know, so Dean, you know, I'll try not to go on too long because I honestly could spend a whole episode just talking about Dean and how much I love Dean. Um, because to me, Dean is so, so sensitive and so hurt so deep down. And all he wants is to be loved and to feel okay and to feel peace in the world and in himself. And he just wants somebody to love him and to really believe that they love him. And um, I love Judy's face. Too when I was saying this. <laughs> I was Sorry, thinking, but yeah, I was just wondering how what you thought about the episode, like that just happened, not this past one, but the one before that, where Dean finally got to hear from someone just how valued, just how mm-hmm. loving he is, and just how wonderful he is. Yeah, I'll say really, yeah, and this is you know not with these first episodes, but I will say that because. Um, this had nothing to do, and this is kind of spoilers for that episode. So if you didn't watch that, has everyone on this panel seen that episode? Okay. Um, so kind of spoilers f- for that for that episode. Um, Cass tells Dean that he loves him, but he also tells Dean who Dean really is. And I have to say, I'm going to start crying. Um, sorry, that to me, that was, I have wanted for this whole show for someone to tell Dean who he really is and for Dean to really hear that and for someone to tell Dean, you know, how amazing and beautiful he is and that he is the most empathetic person on the show. And he's just the most loving and most caring. And um, the fact that he got to hear that from someone that he actually loves and cares for and that he trusts And I'm not talking about the romantic side of it. I think, I mean, that was definitely, in my opinion, that was a romantic declaration of love. But I'm not just even talking about that. I'm just talking about the fact that, you know, he trusts Cass almost as much as Sam. And so to have that happen was like this gift that I never thought the show would do, especially since I really don't think the show treats Dean well at all in the Dab era. Um, And I'll talk about that when we talk about Dab. So the fact that he got that gift... And I really hope he takes that gift to heart. Really, really, it was like, I haven't loved this show in a while, the most recent seasons, and it was this thing that made me just really love it. So, and I know a couple people have stuff they want to add to that. Jill, do you want, you wanted to add something? Yeah, um, I was going to say kind of what you said about, I hope he takes it. I don't think he took it. I still don't think he took that to be truth to him. I think he still believes he's he's a killer and he's the bad guy. Um, I'm glad somebody told him. And I think people over the years have told him little bits in here. You know, you're not a bad guy. You're not just a killer. But I don't think he's ever taken it. And I don't even think he took it when, when Cass told him, which is, which is sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Judy, did you want to add something to that? Yeah, just I, I love that Cass told him not only are is he the most loving person, but his love is so powerful that it changes other people. It changes it drove the whole direction of this this universe and this show. Um because Cass loved him, because he taught Cass how to love with his capacity to love. So his love is so powerful, everything 
this is the only universe left. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And that's why it was so, so beautiful to me. And I do agree, Jill. I don't think he fully took it. And I think a lot of that is because Cass, spoiler, died right after. And Dean instantly said that's his fault. I mean, he didn't have to even say that, but he's like taking it on. That's his fault. And if Cass didn't love me, he wouldn't die. And if Cass didn't have that love, he wouldn't, you know, that kind of thing. So that's because that's Dean. And and he's he's already said he saved me. He, yeah. he died mm-hmm. to save me. So he's already mm-hmm. taken it on. Yeah. Yeah. Because Dean doesn't think he's worth saving, which has been said in the show. Characters have said that to him. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'll stop because I seriously... There's a lot more I want to say about Dean, but I, I will say it as we go on because, I, as I said, being able to have a character like – I will add this really quickly, sorry, and I will probably cry again. But being able to have a character in a show that I relate to, and I've had that happen. This happened to me before, and I haven't liked the character. But to have that happen, and I like the character, and not only like the character, but – I've written for the character and by writing for the character and writing through the character's eyes, it has been one of the most therapeutic experiences of my life. Writing the Dean and therapy fic that I have written since 2015, I think was when I started that one. Um, And another one I wrote too, that was an AU that was mainly just about him dealing with his dad has been very, very therapeutic. My therapist knows that I'm doing it. My therapist has encouraged it. So it's one of those things that, through him, I have found healing. And so he's like a gift. So that's why I'm so, so overprotective of him and defensive, even when I know that I probably shouldn't defend some of the things he does. But it's because I love him so much. And if I could hug a character, it would be him. And yes, I do think he's, I still think he's very, very sexy, which may be kind of weird to find a character that's like you, that you want to, um, you know, do things to, uh, <laughs> and, and even more so in a different way when he was demon Dean. And, um, that's <laughs> screen so, doors and hurricanes. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then I'll just quickly add for Sam, because I know I said, I have a lot of heart. I have a hard time with Sam. I think my thing with Sam is, I think on the surface, Sam is very emotional and very open in there, but I, a lot of times don't think it's always genuine. Um, I think Sam is, Sam has that, um, younger brother kind of selfish sometimes way, um, him leaving, which I understand him leaving. I really do. But in the later seasons, his solution is always to run and to leave. And, um, it kind of gets aggravating at times. Um, but there are parts of Sam that I do enjoy and that I do like, Um, I think he does truly love his brother a lot and not in that one way that people want him to love his brother. But I think he really does love his brother a lot. I mean, his brother is his hero. Flat out, his brother's his hero. His brother's his father. His brother is the one who raised him. Um, And I think one thing that I will say for Sam that I really appreciate is I think as the seasons have gone on, he has been able to let Dean go a little bit. And by that, I mean, let Dean's responsibility for him go a little bit. And I appreciate seeing that because I think sometimes Sam can take advantage of that. And I think he's started to kind of not do that as much. And I've appreciated watching that, you know, and I do feel bad for him that every woman he sleeps with dies. I think that's really sad. (laughs) 
I feel bad for him, you know? So yeah. Yes. <laughs> and I do. And I do think Jared's acting has improved. Um, some, I, th- I thought he was really good as soulless Sam. I think that was when he was the best, honestly. Um, but yeah. Okay. Well, let's get into John. So what are your thoughts on John, Judy? Um, before we get into John, I just wanted to comment on something that you had talked about with you, you know, personally finding healing through yeah. this show and through a relation to a character or, through, you know, just anyway, through, the, through this show. That's one of the amazing things about this show and the, the fandom. You are so not alone. I mean, there are so many story after story after story that you hear of people who, because of this show, found healing in whatever it was that they were dealing with. Because this show is so so complex and there's so many things to to relate to. It's just, it, it's so much bigger than a monster hunting show. <laughs> it's very cool. Um, so anyway, uh, John. Oh, God, here we go. <laughs> John freaking Winchester. Um, everything we see about this man is frustrating. I mean, don't get me long. I love Jeffrey Dean Morgan, and he's amazing in the role. Um, but if we're just talking about John, the way he raised his boys just pisses me off. Um, he uses them as bait. Nobody will ever convince me that he, did, he wasn't using them as bait in something wicked. Um, against the Striga. Um, and we know he used them as bait in Dead Man's Blood. And Meg even said one time that, sh- that remember when his, Bill, Joe's father, I forget what their, Joe's last name was, but when Bill died, it was because John was using him as bait. Like John uses people and uses these his own children as bait in his mission in his obsession to hunt and it that just breaks my heart um the way he ignored them when they were in those early seasons when they were searching for him um you know making desperate tear-filled con call phone calls to him and he just didn't even answer the phone when dean was dying in faith and he didn't answer the phone i mean ah Damn it, John Winchester. And because of that, he just he those children grew up to be men who are, as we've you know, used the word broken, but just very, very damaged and have so, so many issues. Um and through the years they've they've confirmed more and more um what a bad parent he was. I feel like they um the show kind of didn't acknowledge what a bad parent he was in those early seasons. You know, dad was still this icon, even, um, but uh, in the later seasons, they have started to at least, you know, acknowledge the fact that um, he sucked as a father. Um, you know, they talk about drunken rages they talk about um weeks of abandonment um what he did to dean in i forget the name of the episode where dean was a teenager and and um you know got stuck in the boys home for months because he stole bread to feed sam uh, so uh i don't know so john winchester i mean don't get me don't get me wrong i think i do believe he loved his sons i believe he loved the sons very much but he was just terrible at it. 
um, he was consumed by his grief and um, obsessed with with the with the yellow eyed demon, and um, because of that, he couldn't put that aside and focus on his children and make them the priority. And for that, uh, we end up with these two boys that <laughs> are very damaged, have lots of issues, but make a very interesting story. <laughs> Yeah, and that episode was Bad Boys. In season Bad one. Boys, yes, yes. One of my favorite Dean episodes. Oh, Sasha, that, you can write that down as well. <laughs> and that kid that played him, Chef's Kiss. Uh, I mean, he was amazing. Yes. Yeah. I think that's the best younger version of Dean we've ever had. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I agree. And Jill, your thoughts on John? Um, so I don't dislike John as much as a lot of fans do. Um, absolutely horrible father. Absolutely. <laughs> there's, there's no forgiving being a terrible father. Um, but I think I understand John a little bit. Like I understand where he's coming from. He, that grief was so overpowering to him and that need for revenge that it took over everything else. You know, I don't think he was necessarily ignoring his boys on purpose. He just wasn't thinking about them. They're not in his in his view. His view is get the yellow eyed demon any way I can get him, and then everything's going to be fine. That's gonna solve everything. So let's ignore everything else that's around me and focus on that. Um, sadly, he had two little boys um, who were being forgotten. Um, so yeah, horrible, horrible father put way too much pressure on Dean um, to take care of Sam because um, he was just a little boy himself. Um, but I, I get where John, at least where his head is. And I kind of wish we had more stories with John because we talk about how deep and layered Sam and Dean are. And I would like to see some of John's layers. You know, if there was going to be a spinoff, a John Winchester spinoff would be interesting because seeing John out hunting, I would love to see what his style was and what drove him and and how he interacted with people because uh, he definitely had a storyline you know we've come up against hunters who have known him who have a completely different view of him than sam and dean have you know um uh, you know the roadhouse saw a totally different john than we saw or that sam and dean saw um so i get john i think he's also a very interesting layered character i just don't think we got it in this show because the show wasn't about him um but yeah horrible father there's no getting around that <laughs> um and and something about about john's relationship with his boys i think his relationship with sam was pretty steady all the way through there was some acceptance later on that i they understood each other but i loved dean's shift dean's shift from Dad is my hero. He is the best thing. Everything he says is right to his shift to maybe he's not always right to his shift of you are a sucky father. And I love seeing Dean's shift and his relationship with his dad's shift. And I also love that, you know, we're talking about early on um, Kripke era, but later on, I think they all came to understand each other better and accept each other for who they are. Um, and I love that we got there. But, yeah, crappy dad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, Sarah, your thoughts on John? Oh yeah, crappy dad. Um, you know, I mean, he was his 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 emotions, and the, it was all ruled by getting the yellow eyed demon, and the kids suffered for that. Um, I don't think he deserved the devotion that Dean had for him at all. Um, I mean, in the beginning, uh, like Jill was saying, I mean, it was just this almost blind devotion to his father and, you know, and, and, you know, John could do no wrong in his eyes. Um, and, and we do, and we do see that change over, over the seasons. Um, you know, I think this is going to be sort of an interesting view. Um, considering the circumstances and what, and, and, and the grief and the obsession that he was going through to get the yellow eyed demon. Um, and I mean, being a single dad, um, he was, he, I think he did the best that he could. Um, was it good? No, it was not good. Um, he really should have uh, there. Of course I'm speaking as a parent now. Um, but, um, you know, uh, and, and we're speaking about a fictional TV show, but, you know, his his focus was never really on the boys. It was more on on his revenge and and his obsession. Um, you know, I, I don't again, I don't think there's anything more I can add that uh, that Judy and Jill have not touched on already. Yeah. And Sasha. Um, yeah, I just go back to just, he's, that he's a dick. He's just a dick. He, everything he does is like, if you read a parenting book, it's like he read the parenting book and went the exact opposite. And I know there's the grief and the obsession and like all of that, but I don't, and I don't get me wrong, I love Jeffrey Dean Morgan. I love him. I think he's, you know, great actor. I've liked other things that he does, but in this, I was just like, ooh, I don't like you. Like, you are just a dick. Um, and I, you know, I get it. Grief, you lost, you, you're focused. I don't know. It just, it doesn't justify his behavior and straight up neglect. Um, but without it, we wouldn't have a story. So I'm going to go with it. And the, the reason I compare John to my dad is my dad was in Vietnam um, just like John was. And I think the reason my dad was in and out of my life and then left my life when I was 22 permanently, I mean, I don't know where he is kind of thing. Um, and my dad was an alcoholic and I think John's addiction to revenge is kind of comparable to that. And I think John's revenge thing is really in some ways PTSD. And I think he also has some PTSD probably from Viet being Vietnam, um, I think anyone who was over there probably has a little bit of that. I know that's, I really know that that combined with something else that happened to my dad is why my dad's not in my life. Um, and when someone has that and they don't deal with it and instead they decide to just be angry and, um, kind of just look at everybody who is showing any kind of emotion or showing any kind of need or anything like that. And I, and I look at that with, with Dean, I think what happened with Dean was, was Sam was like a baby and Dean was not a baby. And 
Dean needed his dad to take care of him and hold him and comfort him because his mom just died in a very, very, very tragic way. And instead, John was so consumed with that grief. And granted, we did not see right away if there was ever a point where he did comfort his sons or anything. But he was so consumed with that grief that he didn't have time to see that his son was hurting and he didn't seem to care. And it's not – and I think he does love them. I just think he didn't have the energy to care. He didn't want to focus at all on that. And instead, he kind of laid the burden of the care and being, you know, the motherly figure on Dean's shoulders in a way, um, as on top of being the dad, I think he also laid that on Dean's shoulders as well. And like you see in the first episode of season two, when John says Dean comforted him, comforted him when he would come home from a bad, you know, hunt when he was a kid and that wasn't his job. Um, and so what's interesting to me about John, though, is that John admits the mistakes he made in that, and yet he lays a big, huge burden on Dean right after he admits how horrible <laughs> he was. Then he's like, okay, here's this burden. You might have to kill your brother. You know, just live with that for a while. I mean, it's just kind of like, it's it's like he just can't help himself. Um, but I do think it's interesting when in season four, when we see young John Winchester, played by the wonderful Matt Cohen that I just adore Matt Cohen. Um, and you see, he's not like that at all. And he's really sweet and sensitive and caring and kind and loving. And so it's, so it is an interesting, you know, exercise to see what he would have been like as a father of Mary had survived, you know? So, yeah, yeah. And and I don't mean to keep plugging my own writing here, but I did write an AU called Hold Back the River. And it's all about Dean dealing with actually his dad dying after his mother died years ago and stuff that happened through that. And what was so healing about that for me personally was you got to see a little bit of a healing with John and Dean and with John kind of admitting things that he had never admitted to Dean before. And I think that's the thing about John is I think John feels like for some reason he can't admit to Dean that he actually respects him and cares for him. Same thing with Sam, although I think it's a little bit different with Sam. Um, and I don't know. I think he thinks Dean can handle more than Dean can actually handle. He doesn't realize how fragile Dean is. And he is consumed with that grief and wanting to hurt something. And and I do hate John deeply. I hate John. But I also, in a way, feel for John, even though I hate him. I do have this part of me that feels for him because I know who he could have been through the show. And it makes me sad that he never got that chance. But, yeah. Judy? Yeah, I, I just a comment on a couple of people have talked about how, you know, John's grief and, and the way that he was definitely caused problems, for them, but it also drove the story. It reminded me of um, a, a little thicklet that I read years ago that just really hit hard, and I've never forgotten it. It was basically saying that, um, you know, what, what, what would happen if John had gone off and done his obsession but left Sam and Dean with somebody, a relative or somebody that would have cared for them. And, you know, it kind of described a little bit about how Dean grew up and became the, you know, captain of the baseball team and Sam went on to college and whatever. And, uh, you know, described this lovely life that they had. But when the demons came, they were completely unprepared 
And like the last line of it is, and Sam Winchester made a great king of hell or something like that. It was like, wow. (laughs) Yeah, it really hit home because it, you know, yes, you know, his obsession was awful and it was, it was abusive to those kids, but it prepared them for this life, you know, that this, this apocalypse was coming and we don't really know how long John knew that, but maybe not to be a John apologist, but maybe he was preparing them. I don't know. (laughs) I've I've heard that actually. I've heard people say that, that without John doing that, they would have died. Um, yeah, or something worse. Yeah, I've I've heard that, Jill. Um, I was just thinking, listening to everybody else talk, I was thinking there's two periods of time that we will never see John's story, um, and I think there are two really important periods of time that I would like to see. One is that period of time right after Mary's death. There's no way John went immediately went out hunting. He had an infant and a four-year-old. So he's not leaving four-year-old Dean in charge of an infant in a room somewhere. They've got to be somewhere. So he either left them with somebody or he was with them for a period of time. I also assume he didn't run off without any knowledge. They just took off and wasn't doing some research and figuring out what he had to do. So that's a period of time that would be very interesting to see how John was dealing with being this single father of a four-year-old and an infant and trying to figure out how to kill this thing that killed his wife. I also would have loved to see the period of time, assuming John hadn't died and didn't go to hell, if they had killed Yellow-Eyed Demon together, or he had done it, what would post-Yellow-Eyes John be like? Would he? I don't think he would have retired from hunting, but would he have been less obsessed? Would it have been more like, this is my job, my daily job? Or would he have spiraled? Now he doesn't have something to focus on. And now he's going to end up in a bottle because he doesn't know what to do. So those are two periods of time we'll never see that would be very interesting periods of time to see what a John Winchester in that then would be like. Yeah, no, I, I agree. That would be that would be really interesting. Yeah. Um. Now we're going to switch over to season two. And what we're going to first talk about is John's death. And also the fact that John's death starts a trend in Supernatural where, number one, someone who was supposed to die doesn't die. Number two, someone selling their soul or making a deal with a demon in order to save someone or making any kind of deal. So what were your thoughts when John died, Judy? Uh, It was so tragic. I mean, even though, you know, we're sitting here talking about what a terrible father he was but it's still very tragic and that you know the first whole season is driven by these boys love for their father and then only to lose him so it, you know it was definitely tragic um but yeah like you had said it, it began this tradition well, it didn't really begin the tradition we find out later that mary began the tradition of of making the deal but um yeah that this he set the example for Sam and Dean to sacrifice yourself um, for each other, maybe even sacrifice Sam for the world or whatever, you know, when he went and told Dean, Dean that he might have to kill him. Um, Gosh, that episode uh, in my time of dying, that one is just 
so many layers. You could you could watch that one over and over again and pick it apart. Uh, there you go, Sasha. Write that down. <laughs> um, but yeah, that that was it. Was very tragic and it planted the seed though for some amazing moments that we got of of Dean dealing with that tragedy, dealing with his his own emotions and his daddy issues and and their relationship having to bond because of it because that was all they had left was each other. And Jill. Um I don't know that John dying at the time, I don't know that John dying had a whole lot of impact on me only because he hadn't been around a lot. You know, and I was very much focused on Sam and Dean and their relationship. So, I mean, at the time it was sad, but I don't remember it being like, oh, geez, their dad died. How, you know, it wasn't, you know, we've had some later deaths that were much more impactful. Um, I don't remember John being all that impactful. It was more about, well, and then right after it, we have that John whispered something in his ear, in Dean's ear. And it's like, okay, what was that? That was way more important than John dying to me. <laughs> um, and I think Dean's, that, again, that episode is excellent across the board. But Dean dealing with death and his own potential death and then his father sacrificing him for him, which, again, more guilt. Dad sacrificed himself for me. Um, yeah, I don't know that, that John's death had all that much impact on me. Yeah, which makes sense for all the reasons you said, really. So, yeah. And Sarah? Yeah, I mean, kind of the same. And I think part of it was that I did get into uh, into the show later on. So I knew that he died. Um, you know, so it really, it did not come as a shock or a surprise. And, um, you know, he really, I, he really wasn't, like Jill said, he really wasn't around much. Um for it to really have an effect on me. Um, but um, yeah, that, <laughs> yeah. It, 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 and we find out later it goes back to Mary, but that, that does certainly start the uh, trend of Winchester sacrificing themselves to save someone else. <laughs> um, and that just continues on for 15 seasons or so. Um you know, it, I, I, in a, a part of me, it, it was it, not that it didn't have an effect on me. It was, it was a bit heartbreaking because they do spend a lot of season one trying to find their father and reconnect with their father. And when they finally do, this is what happens. They, they finally come together again as a family, and then there's the car accident, and then John ends up sacrificing himself to save Dean. Um, which again, you know, just adds to, to Dean's guilt. And I'm sure he puts that like everything else, he puts that upon himself. Uh, so from that aspect, it was a little, it was a little bit heartbreaking, um, because you feel, you feel Dean's pain and feel Dean's guilt over it. Um, but in, in terms of shocking, surprising for me, it just, it, I knew it was going to happen. <laughs> and that, that's what happens when you start a show and they're in season eight already. <laughs> and you have a little bit of background. Um, 
you know, so I I can't blame the TV show. I can't blame the show for that or, or Kripke for that. That was that was all on me. <laughs> um. So yeah, like Sarah said, I don't. John's death was kind of a whatever, setting up the sacrifice yourself to save somebody else, whatever. But for me, the thing that was the most impactful was Dean's response to it, like his initial lack or perceived lack of response where Sam's like, why are you upset? Like dad died. What's going on? Why? You know? And then when he, when Dean finally has that moment and beats the ever living hell out of baby, I, that, that still gets me. That scene is like forever ingrained in my brain as somebody who is truly experiencing loss and what that loss could mean for them. So that whole scene where he just pounds the trunk, I'm like, oh, oh, I know that feeling. You know, it's just, it's gut-wrenching. So for me, that's, John's death was a whatever. It's Dean's response. Sarah, you wanted to add something there? Yeah, I actually, I, I started rewatching um, starting season one. Right, it sounds like someone's coming through my ceiling. Um, starting season one, um, and I completely forgot about that episode or, or that scene. But yes, I mean that's when you fully you fully see Dean's emotion because for him just to be that that hurt to take it out on baby <laughs> of of all things, you know he had he had to be hurting. Um, so yeah, that great uh, uh, bringing that up because I had completely forgotten about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jill. Um, I think also part of it taking out on baby, it's, it's his, his emotion, his loss, but I think it's also anger at dad. And that's why he's taking it out on baby because he's, he's pissed off that dad has left them again um and he's gonna beat the hell out of dad's car bingo bingo that's what that's yeah and i was gonna add that when i started because that's exactly what it is is at least that's the way i always viewed it is baby represents his dad represents his father so he's beating the shit out of his dad really um in that grief for his dad leaving them um eventually i think for dean discovering that his dad what his dad did to save him. It feeds into that thing of Dean not thinking he's worth it. Why'd you do this? And then also laying that final burden on Dean. You know, that's a lot to handle. Um, Yeah. And I agree. John's death didn't make me sad. It made me sad more for them to have to deal with it, for Dean and Sam having to deal with it. And especially watching Dean's grief over it. Um, Because when Dean grieves, Dean grieves. I mean, he grieves in very, very harmful ways, but he grieves deeply. Um, and so watching him, you know, was was the interesting part about it. And then, of course, how it all kind of comes for full circle in um, the season finale of season two with him selling his own soul, which I think in a lot of ways is full circle to the beginning there of the season. So, yeah, that that to me was the hardest part of that and the burden being laid on Dean's shoulders. So, yeah. So and that burden, of course, was about Sam and Sam's powers and Sam being one of Yellow Eye's children and how his powers could lead to very, very horrible, horrific things. So let's talk about Sam's powers, Judy. Yeah, I really liked the way that 
Sam starting to have these powers, these mysterious powers and not knowing why I liked the way it built tension as the season progressed. Um, you know, first it was just a dream and then some of his dreams are maybe coming true and, you know, something is going on more and more and we see caretaker Dean constantly worried about him, but also worried about the fact that, you know, his brother has these mysterious super supernatural powers and dad always said anything supernatural is bad. Right. So he's conflicted in this, this person that he loves more than anything in the world he might have to kill him. He's got these supernatural powers that terrify the shit out of him. Um, yeah, it's just a fascinating thing that that drives the story, um, and it gives us some of those like gut wrenching gut wrenching moments between the boys. Um, God, we love those, don't we? <laughs> uh, you know, and when when Sam and Dean are sitting on the back of the Impala, and he finally admits how much pain he was in from from dad dying from uh you know when he takes the crowbar to baby that we talked about already and you know when when he admits what he may have to do and what's going on and that he can't do it um yeah it's just a really cool way to drive the story and keep all of us as the audience guessing as well what the heck is going on it's a i i just i think it was a it was really where we started to um go from this cool monster hunting story about these brothers and their bond and their family to something bigger. Like there's something big and sinister going on and we're really building up. So that's what I liked about that storyline. And Jill. Um, you know, it wasn't one of my favorite storylines, which is interesting. Um, having, Sam have these powers I thought was very interesting and I thought they they weaved it into the storylines very well and gave us great episodes um, with him using those powers. But as it started to progress to, um, you know, we're building a yellow eye army and there's only one of them going to survive, I kind of disliked that storyline. Um, I think we along the way of that, we lost a lot of characters who I thought were really interesting. Some of these other kids with powers were kind of cool characters. Um, and I would have liked to have seen some of them stick around or come back more. Um, of course, they couldn't because they slaughtered them all. Um, it, it definitely made for some drama between Sam and Dean because Dean's got this secret that he knows he's got to maybe kill, the, kill Sam. Um, and Sam not understanding why these powers aren't being embraced. Like these are good things. We're saving people. I'm using them, you know, um, to help. Um, inter- I mean, it, it led to our second sacrifice, uh, our second deal. Um, but overall, it it wasn't one of my favorite storylines. Um, I kind of preferred in second season, the episodes that were more the monster of the week storylines again. Um, as an overall arc, it wasn't one of my favorite ones. Interesting. No, I think that's great that we have a different, because I've only ever heard people loving it. So I like that, that there's a different opinion on that. Yeah. And Sarah? Um, yeah, I, I'm I'm more with Jill here. I'm kind of, was kind of indifferent about it. Um, I mean, I, I, I understand. And, and I thought it was, it was great the way, 
they sort of weave that in and that leads to Ruby and the demon blood and, and everything else. Um, you know, so from that a, a storytelling aspect, I thought it was, it was well done, but it just, it, I, I was sort of meh about it. Um, not a great way to describe it. Um, but yeah, I mean, there were some of those other kids that would have, I, I wouldn't have minded if they, uh, stuck around. I can't think of his name, uh, the character's name now, but the one who could. Andy. Andy. Yes. <laughs> and Ava. <laughs> And Ava, yeah, I really, of course, I didn't like Ava at the end um, because she embraced that a little too much. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, there there were others that I, I really liked the characters and, and would have liked to see them, you know, in, in future episodes. But obviously that, that didn't happen. Um, so, you know, as, as, as a storyline goes and in terms of it, leading into into season three and into season four with with Ruby and with Lilith and with the demon blood. I thought it tied in very nicely, but not Sam having powers. I I I'm sort of I I didn't like it, but I didn't not like it. I'm just kind of indifferent about it. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Sasha? I I agree. I I feel like meh kind of summed it up. I know it sounds weird to be like meh about something, but it was, it was really kind of an indifferent thing. It seemed at one point it was like, okay, we're, we're going to go this way. And then it's like, Oh, hard left. We're not really going that way. We thought we were going to go that way, but something happened and it didn't work out the way we planned. So now we're going to pivot and plot twist. And it just, the psychic part. And then we jumped to, drinking demon blood and it was like I don't I didn't make the I could not make that leap of faith I don't know where they left but I was not jumping with them um it was just like part of it was missing for me so that's I agree with Sarah it's kind of a meh indifferent thing to it um Jill has a good point it would have been kind of cool to see some of those other kids like maybe we could get that spinoff mm-hmm. can we get a spinoff somewhere please <laughs> They've been trying. They've been trying. <laughs> I know. Sarah, you wanted to add? Yeah, that? I mean, if we if we can't get Wayward Sisters, let's you know get something at least. But yeah, I mean, it 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 was. I mean, it started with just the dreams and 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 having the visions, and then we jumped to ingesting demon blood, and now we're exercising demons. And I'm not quite sure how we got from one to the other it seemed a little it that, was disjointed that, it was it was very disjointed yeah and that's why I was kind of eh. yeah I, I don't know how else to describe it I know that's not the best way but no somebody just, yelled plot twist in the middle and shifted oh, gears. that's what it was okay yeah that's why we're all like nah. I'm not quite sure what happened here but all right whatever <laughs> part of the problem is also like we're coming in later and not from the beginning so we're going backwards in time. Yeah. You know, where it's like, oh, well, that didn't, how, what? You yeah. Know? And especially looking back after 15 seasons, you look back now and you're like, what the hell was that? Yeah. I, and I think I felt that more so when I started rewatching it again recently. I'm like, 
God, that was a big jump. And it just kind of went from psychic powers to the big battle royale to Dean making the deal. Sam comes back and then there's nothing. And then now we're ingesting demon blood. And I'm not quite sure where, what happened in between. And it was a little odd and confusing to me. Um, Since I just did a big long binge and I was, and I was, since I was trying to catch up, get through everything and before the new episodes aired and I didn't make it. I was a week, I was a week late, but um, <laughs> um, I noticed something interesting doing it that way. Watching week to week is very different than watching back to back. There were seasons that I remember not liking that I was like, they, they were not, not liking. I liked them all, but ones I felt like were the story was dragged out. Like, it's just like, come on, move on. We're stuck on this thing week after week after week after week. And then when you watch them back to back, you go, oh, it went by like that. So in the head of a writer who writes five episodes of Sam and Dean fighting, it goes by pretty fast. When it's five weeks of Sam and Dean fighting, you're like, oh, come <laughs> on. So it was very interesting. Think, things like, I know it's not Kripke era, but things like the Leviathan season, when in like, oh, I'm coming up to the Leviathans. I don't, this season was just crap. And then when I watched it straight through, I'm like, ah, it actually wasn't that bad. <laughs> it's like, I liked it much more fast when I could watch them all back to back. Um, so I think maybe some of that also plays into this disjointedness that when you watch it over time, week by week, it's a little less disjointed than when you're watching it all together and you see the jumps in real time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think that that's that's a good point because I know for me, you know, I binged the first nine seasons. So even though I didn't like season six and season seven as much as the other ones, now I appreciate them a lot more. I like them a lot more. <laughs> um, and I think seven, season seven, you know, gets a lot of crap. But I think there are some great, great episodes there are some like all-time great episodes in that season same with season six which i think season six the reason that one and we'll talk about it in the in our sarah gamble one but i think the reason with that one is that you had a new showrunner so i think it took a little bit for people to get used to that um and i think season six was kind of a rocky start and then i think it became great i think season six has some tremendous episodes and a tremendous storyline once it really gets going you know but yeah, yeah, that's the interesting part about about binging. And as far as I, Sam, sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say when when I went back and watched Seven, going into it thinking I wasn't going to enjoy it, I did have that moment of, oh yeah, this episode is in Seven. Oh yeah, this one's in Seven. So it, your your ba- your backwards view, your, your hindsight on things aren't necessarily um, accurate to what actually happened. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Season season Seven because then you don't get Dean going to the cowboy. In his whole cowboy gear. Oof. <laughs> what was that? Frontierland. Mm-hmm. Yeah, can't skip Frontierland, man. <laughs> <laughs> and all the dick jokes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Frontierland was actually season six. So yeah, we get yeah. But the same thing. French mistake. Yeah. Frontierland. Yeah. There's some gems. Mm-hmm. Well, and you have, um, you know, Bobby's 
death death's door in season seven and i think even though that's heartbreaking that's one of the best episodes of the series you've got charlie coming in in season seven so yeah (laughs) so you have a lot of stuff that's actually really good that people i don't think realize because they wanted to hate on it so much for a lot of reasons Um, for the man who would be king that's like one of my favorites yeah Yeah. Yeah. Well, and with Sam's powers with me, um, you know, I've, like I said, I have mixed feelings on on Sam. Um, I liked it better when it got into the demon blood thing. I thought found that a lot more interesting because I thought it was darker and twisted. And I just thought it was interesting to take this character that is so light. I mean, it was kind of, if you followed Luke Skywalker, it's like Luke Skywalker going to the dark side kind of thing. Um, and I just found it very intriguing. So I liked that more than the powers in season two. I will say that. Um, so yeah, I mean, as far as like story arcs go in the broad scheme of things over all of the seasons of Supernatural, it is one of my least favorite. Um, you know, I will say, I think probably British Men of Letters, I would say is probably below that <laughs> a little bit. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But Jack, I'm sorry. I think Jack is meh, 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 meh. Um, <laughs> sorry, everyone. I know everybody loves precious little Jack, but he, he's boring to me. But anyway, <laughs> um, well, let's move on to a character that we haven't mentioned yet. And I just want to talk about him right now. And we mentioned his death, but let's talk about Bobby. Um, and Bobby was, wasn't introduced in season two. He was introduced in season one, of course, but he became more important in season two. So what are your thoughts on Bobby, Judy? Oh my gosh. I love Bobby so much. Um, what an amazing addition to the show. Um, I think he was supposed, he was supposed to be in one episode and, you know, they liked him enough that they're like, oh, this is, this is a great character. And he had that, like everything about him from his, his house you know, just that mess of, of books everywhere and, you know, just dirty, dusty, grimy, gritty. And like I mentioned when we talked about aesthetic, Bobby is my, like, I'd love that aesthetic. <laughs> um, and just, he's, he had such a love for the boys. Um, and he had such a love for Dean. You know, he became, you know, when Dean calls him the closest thing to a father he has, um, oh, <laughs> right. Um, and then, you know, he has a few moments with Dean where he, you know, we talked about Dean hearing how good and valuable he is and he doesn't hear it often enough, but Bobby is one of the people that did try to instill self-worth and value into him. He tried to, t- to let him know that it's okay to play just for the sake of playing. He let him know that he was a better man than his father. He let him know that his life was worth something more than just the price of his soul. Um, yeah. Bobby Singer. Oh my gosh. Thank God for, I think, I think Eric Kripke created him. I think he was the, the, the one that created him, but uh, thank you. <laughs> Love Bobby. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, Jill, your thoughts on Bobby. Yeah. It's going to be a Bobby love fest. Cause, uh, Bobby's great. There's a, there's nothing bad about Bobby. You think about Bobby as a character is he's not only their surrogate father. He's not only a great hunter. He's also the father to all the hunters. He takes care of everybody. 
And um, it's not in this set. It's season six, but Weekend at Bobby's. I love that episode because it just shows how Bobby's trying to do his own thing. And yet everybody in the world relies on Bobby to take care of them and also thinks they are the center of the universe. Um, and, and Bobby needs to drop whatever to get to them. And yet Bobby still drops whatever he, he's doing to get to them. Uh, I have nothing bad to say about Bobby. He's just a fantastic character. And he loves those boys like they're his own. And they love him like he's their father. Mm -hmm. And we, we talked about John's death being a, eh, yeah, okay, sad, but oh well. Bobby's death was hard. <laughs> that was a hard loss. Um, so yeah, Bobby's awesome. I, I was happy anytime Bobby was around. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it gave yeah. and it gave us the wonderful idiots. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> His death was just like this. Oh my gosh, bullet to the brain, and it was so sudden and unexpected, and he didn't come back like everybody else does. Yeah, that one really hit me hard. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, and watching him going through his memories and seeing his horrible dad and all that stuff was yeah that was it was it was it was a very beautiful episode though even though it was very painful it's one of the best episodes they've done i think and one of the best send-offs of any character ever yeah. and and again with this history of bad fathers yes very true very bad fathers true. and and trauma and mm -hmm. and the trauma of losing his wife yeah yeah very very true yeah um sarah i mean you, you there's nothing bad you can say about bobby nothing at all um you know absolutely loved him from the beginning um he <clears throat> i mean he really is a father figure to sam and dean even more i mean more so than their own father more so than john um he's always there for them absolutely love that and, and you can see like it's been said you can see that, that the love that he has for them and the love that they have for him um and he really is, he really is like a, a father to all the hunters they're they all turn to him and i remember after he passes and it was garth and Garth kind of takes the head over and they even say to them, are you the new Bobby? Because he's answering the phones and pretending to be the, you know, a, a assistant director of the FBI or, or whoever. Um, and it, and that's true. That's what Bobby was. He was there to back them up and not just Sam and Dean, but all the hunters and back them up in any way he could. Um, and I think, he has just a, a tremendous heart and, and love, not only for Sam and Dean, but for all the hunters and, and wants to do what he can to take care of them. Um, and if anyone has anything bad to say about Bobby, I will fight them. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the one character that I think everybody would be like, uh, uh you're not allowed to say. No, no, you can't. Bad. No. And I think we I think we can all agree that you cannot say anything bad about Bobby. Yeah. And and I have seen people say bad things about Bobby. Where are they? Was... Tell me where they are. <laughs> Sasha, your thoughts on Bobby? Yeah, I I echo everybody. I mean, I love Bobby. He's great. So, um my one thing is I he's almost like 
I know that he's the father figure to everybody and he's the caretaker for everybody, but he almost feels like that grandmother who has everything in her purse. Like, what do you need? You need holy water? Here you go. What do you need? Oh, you need a ram's horn dipped in Dijin blood that was blessed by, you know, some crazy whatever, whatever. He's like, he has everything. So he's like that grandma with the bag of everything. Yeah, it's, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's Bobby. Like, I agree. You can say nothing bad about the man. Um, I do love all of the books and that aesthetic, like Judy was saying. Like, anybody who's going to do research in a book, I'm I'm in. You're going to hit the books? I'm in. And he's got great books. Like, I just want to get my hands on the books from that set. Like, any of those sets. You know, Bobby's house. Just give me the books. I'm sure most of them are blank. But just, like display the spines you know so yeah i i love him and his yeah his death was definitely one of the kind of ones um there were a couple of them that hit real hard but his was definitely up there so yeah bobby is the he he's the mary poppins bag he's got whatever you need he has a safe room i mean has everything you need and he has an awesome safe room <laughs> yes 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 you know. he does and in in season four when it's like they're trying to figure out who Cass is you know in the very first episode and they're in that like barn mm-hmm. and dean's like well this is quite the little art project you got going and he's like <laughs> oh i pulled everything from everywhere and it's every symbol that has ever been drawn anywhere yeah or how yeah. about and when he just busts practice? out with japanese <laughs> Yes. He's like, yeah, of course I speak Japanese. <laughs> right, exactly. Yes. Why why wouldn't I speak Japanese, you yeah. idiot? Of course I do, you idiot. Oh, <laughs> I, love I, it. I also love his relationship with Rufus. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. See, that's yeah. the spinoff I want is the Bobby and Rufus spinoff. <laughs> oh, or the that would be amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love, loved Rufus and him together. Yeah. Because Rufus is really only the only other character we have that's Bobby's equal. I mean, as, as far as they see each other on an equal plane, he's not, yeah. he's not Rufus's father figure. He's, he's just another hunter. Exactly. Yeah. That's why their relationship was so fun. That's why I would love a spinoff. I know when they returned and I can't remember what season it was when they had the episode where they came back, uh, where they had like a flashback episode of them hunting together. And I was like, see, this is the spinoff I want. Um, I just think it would have been fun or road the roadhouse. Like I said, those would have been the most fun. Um, yeah, Bobby, there's, yeah, there's nothing bad you can say about Bobby. Um, Bobby is amazing and awesome and wonderful and funny. And Jim Beaver is just incredible and so much. And he just embodies that character. And you can tell he loves the character as much as everybody else does. Um, and that he's having fun playing that character and it shows. And yeah, I don't really have much else to add to it. Just that he is awesome and amazing and wonderful. Yeah. Okay, let's close out talking about season two. We're going to close out season two here. Not not the whole episode, but season two. Um, talking about the end of the season, the season finale, when Dean sells his soul. And instead of the usual 10-year deal you would get with a crossroad demon, he only gets one year um, to save Sam. So what did you think about that when uh, Dean did that, Judy? First of all, can I just say that that, that demon, she was only in that one de- one episode for like five minutes oh my god i loved her she was just 
you know, I, I don't know, just so w- well done. And, and all the demons in those early years were, you know, I don't know, just uh, much more threatening and kind of sexy and whatnot. And then later they just became bureaucrats and whatnot. I, I love those. I love early season demons. They're just better. <laughs> um, but yeah, going back to when, when uh, Dean's deal, when Sam gets killed, when he gets stabbed in the back and Dean runs to him fall and they, he falls to his knees, holding Sam's head up as Sam is dying in his arms. Oof. <laughs> Talk about how, you know, John's death was meh. That was definitely, <laughs> you can, you know, compare one season to the end. Um, an amazing acting on both of their parts and just such an impactful scene. But, and when Dean is sad, we are sad, right? Like we all experience Dean's feelings with him. Um, and just his grief was just so deep and so... Uh, deep is a good word for it. Um, yeah, it's just one of those moments that get that gets me. Um, but again, whenever he sells his soul because he sees himself as worth nothing compared to Sam, um, you know, he's he's worth the only thing he's worth is the price that he can get for for his soul, and that is only one year. Um, yeah, it just kills me. Um, but the way that they end that season, though, that, that final episode when Bobby and Ellen come and the, the demons all escape from the hell uh, gate. Oh, my gosh. That's such a great scene. That, that, whole, that whole last episode when they finally kill Azazel and John comes back and helps them and, you know, the, the, the bullet coming out of the gun to hit Azazel. Yeah, that's a that's a really well done. Those last two episodes, well, the last episode plus few minutes of the one before it, <laughs> really, really amazing scenes. Yeah, and Jill, um, I agree with Judy on the on that episode. Where Sam gets stabbed, and Dean rushes to him. If, if I think back on iconic moments that stick in my head of the series, that's definitely one of them. Um, Dean's utter grief at losing Sam and his his hopelessness, and that drives him to make that deal. That he just he can't live without Sam. He can't see a world where he's not where Sam's not there, even if it means he's not there. He can't be alone, and he can't be without Sam. Um, so that's that's super powerful. That episode. I mean, I can I can play it in my head it's that visual to me and it stuck with me so much um so are we talking about season series a bit just that or are we talking about the whole season just just the end of season two just that oh, just the end of making that deal yeah yeah um and, and like i had said earlier the the whole we ought to kill each other thing i you know wasn't totally on board with that and i found it kind of sad um i love dandy Andy would have been so much fun to keep around. Um, so, I mean, the, for me, the big moment is, of course, Sam Sam dying and Dean 
making that deal for him. Um, one of the most powerful um, moments in the show, I think. And, and showed, showed that bond. It really solidified that brotherly love of we will do anything for each other. Even if I have to go to hell, I'm going to, I'm going to save you. Yeah. Yeah. Sarah. Um, yeah, I don't know if I have much to, uh, to add to that. Um, I'm, you know, it, it is part of that, that cycle of them dying for each other. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I also viewed it as a little bit of, and it, it's also because of, of Dean's lack of self-worth and his self-loathing that he would rather die and go to hell than see a world without Sam in it. Um, and that just shows you how much he loves Sam and how much he wants to protect Sam. Um, yeah, I mean, and, and, kind of, you know, what, what Judy and Jill have said already. <laughs> I mean, there's not, mm-hmm. not too much I can add to that, uh, that conversation, unfortunately. Okay. Sasha, do you have anything you want to add? I just wanted to, like Judy said, those first season demons were so much better. And those crossroad demons were so good in the beginning. And so I love the scene where he's like 10 years. She's like, yeah, not going to happen. He's like nine She's like, you can keep going. I'm still going to say no. He's like, eight. She's like, yeah, no. It's like, five. She's like, no, and starts to walk away. And he's like, fine. You know, and she's her comment of fire sale, everything must go. It's like that sassy kind of, like, now I gotcha. You know, so I, yes, the whole everything everybody else said about setting the brothers up and not wanting to see Sam and all of that. But for me, it's those crossroad demons. And we got away from them at some point. They just stopped existing and it was kind of, what happened is Snooky came in. (laughs) I think Snooky was the last crossroad demon they dealt with. Oh my God, I forgot about that. And that did it. Those are pre-Crowley crossroad demons. Yeah, they were pre-Crowley crossroad demons. And they were so much, you know. (laughs) Yeah, they were just so much fun because they were that like, sassy kind of snarky like what are you gonna do all right or the so. one that dean got stuck in that basement with in sin city i loved her oh I yeah wish i would have loved mm-hmm. for more of her mm-hmm. yeah miss those yeah. demons <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I never think... thought i'd say that <laughs> <laughs> well i think the demons were scary for a long time, actually, I'm I'm watching right now season eight, and there are scenes in there of when they are torturing people that are just, oh my gosh! I mean, you, I mean, just the terror of it and um, the brutality, and they were scary. And then there was a point when you know with the bureaucracy, but also they just became kind of silly and a joke. And when you'd see more of hell, and hell wasn't really scary, and it was just. Yeah, it was kind of sad to me that they kind of went by the wayside as far as like being scary and interesting. Yeah. I think once they figured out how to kill them, they were less yeah. scary. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Which we'll we'll get into that here in a second. Um, the only thing I will add is, and Sasha, this is a scene to write down on your list. 
<laughs> is Dean by the bedside of Sam's body. And um, that whole scene, I'm, it, I want to cry just thinking about it. Um, nobody can cry like Jensen Ackles. I'm just going to say that. Nobody can cry like Jensen Ackles. And the fact that that man does not have a shelf full of Emmys for playing Dean Winchester will aggravate me for my whole entire life because he has so many scenes like that. There's one in season four, of course, the infamous one of him talking about hell to Sam that just is just burned in my mind because he really, nobody cries like him. It's so genuine and heartbreaking and you just are like, you really feel it. It's just so vulnerable and beautiful. So that's all I wanted to add with his whole selling his soul. And it really speaks also to the codependency of the brothers too. They're very, very, very codependent. So yeah. And Judy, did you want to add something on that? Yeah. Just, in addition to the the Jensen Ackle things, yes, he's a cries beautifully and and the vulnerability, but also just a million micro expressions. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, you everything he does in every scene, he's never not reacting. Um, he's so good and agreed. Uh, he needs a shelf full of Emmys. Damn it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. He says, like I've said before in this podcast, to me, the best actors are ones that say everything with just a look in their eye and they don't have to use any words. And he does that beautifully, especially when he ever ever has, this is why I mentioned mirrors with him. Um, and I know I can't pronounce that word very well, but he, whenever he's looking in a mirror, he has beautiful, beautiful scenes. Like in the episode regarding Dean in season 12 and his whole scene where he's trying, where he's losing his memory and he's talking to himself and say, listing who he is. That was just such a beautiful, beautiful scene. I mean, really, I mean, just the emotion in his face. And like you said, Judy, just those micro expressions and just all the different thing going on there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, and he's amazing at comedy too. Jill. Um, Before we move on from season two, I just want to throw in a plug for the usual suspects, which is one of my all time favorite episodes. Yeah. Um, I love in that episode, how we get a little glimpse of the brother's, secret system of how they talk to one another in secret, even when they're not together. And I love that setup that there is this history of, of secret codes and things that we never knew about before. Um, and just overall, I love that episode. <laughs> so before I yeah. move on, I just had to do a little plug for it, my head. And it has Linda Blair. And it has Linda Blair, right? That too. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I, yeah, I mean, I, I know I wasn't on the, uh, the paranormal, um, uh, uh, horror episode, but I mean, I at the Exorcist, I have a love hate relationship with it. So, the fact that she was on it and they had the whole ending where uh, Dean's like, you know, I could really go for some pea soup right now. A just hilarious, one of my favorite episodes too. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, that that is a good one. Yeah, and and I'll just quickly say before we move on, one of my favorite episodes and write this one down Sasha too is um in season two right before the finale is what is and what should never be you know when Dean gets a life that is normal and his mom is alive and you know what is yeah when he the gin copy kidnaps him and stuff gives him that life that to me is oh god the scene where he's by John's grave whoo in that and talking about why can't they have a normal life is just, yeah, 
it's it's heartbreaking. That's the first time you really see with Dean, or at least that they show it, that Dean is all about, he says he's all about hunting and that life, but deep down, he really doesn't want that life. He wants a normal life. And that's the first time you really see that. So I and, always. And it also shows Dean's lack of self-worth because even in his dream world, he's the screw up. That's true. That's very true. <laughs> that's very true. My poor Dean. Um, yeah. Okay, so now let's move on to season three. And the big thing that I want to talk about with season three, since it was a shortened season, we'll kind of make this a little bit brief, um, is the big overall arcing storyline here was the fact that Dean had sold his soul and they want to save him. And he's got just a year. And the other thing is this season also introduces a demon that will come back in season four played by a different actress, of course, and that's Ruby. And you get the introduction of her and the introduction of the demon blade, which kills demons. And that changed a lot of things for the whole show, I think. Um, and of course, because this season was shortened, that also is the reason that certain characters were brought on, certain beings, angels particularly, uh, were brought on in um, season four. And of course it was a shortened season. I just want to mention really quickly because of the writer's strike that was going on at that time. So they had no choice but to shorten it. So they changed a lot of things. Um, Sam was actually supposed to save Dean. He wasn't supposed to go to hell. So yeah. So just a lot of interesting things. And we wouldn't have the, I never heard that. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, we wouldn't actually, have the angels without that. So yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know that. I was wondering why the season had been shortened and uh, yeah, you know, strike. not, being able to think that far back, I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah, I knew I knew why it had been shortened, but I didn't didn't know about the that he was supposed to be saved. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Judy, what are your overall thoughts on season three? Just overall. Um, not my favorites, um, uh, but you know, I enjoyed them all. Um, but the one of the funny things that I love about season three and the fact that it um I, anything meta i love the meta episodes gosh they are some of my favorites and the fact that they did one of those handheld camera um episodes in the ghost facers will always be like one of my favorite quirky things that they did and it's meta because it was making fun of all of these shows that were going to that style because they didn't have writers <laughs> so they were like well i guess hand somebody camera and see what happens um so, yeah, I love that. And I love that we finally get the boys cursing <laughs> because let's admit it. I mean, in, the, in that universe, how would these boys be so, you know, clean mouthed? <laughs> so, yeah, I love the ghost facers. Um, again, not my not my favorite season, but we did get some really beautiful um, bromance because of the um, fight to save Sam or fight. Sam's fight to save Dean, um, Sam's fight to convince Dean that he's worthy of being saved. Um, yeah, that those were, so the overarching story, I was kind of like, whatever, but it did give us some of those amazing moments. And we had some really, because of those um, bromance, we got some really great, those moments came in really great episodes, like, the Christmas one and dream a little dream of me where, where Dean is fighting with his own psyche. Um, 
or or mystery spot, you know, where where Sam is having to deal with his feelings about the whole thing. So this this show, I think, um, although season three wasn't my favorite, I think it started to get much better at, you know, it had an overarching story, but those individual episodes um, paralleled what was going on with with the boys. And I think that was a really um, it, it kind of turned a corner and became a, a better show that season. Um. There's a lot of good episodes in season three. Um, Mystery Spot, fantastic. <laughs> like um, I agree, Ghost Facers. And the thing I love about Ghost Facers is it's it's set up to be funny, but it's a really good story. The story of Corbett and he, the death of Corbett is so, it's kind of emotional, which is kind of amazing because we don't know him. Just one episode character. Um, but it's so emotional. I mean, that episode is written very, very well for being one of the funny episodes. Um, I really love it because it's, it's definitely a departure of style. It's kind of like when they did Baby and things where they're willing to step away from the format and do something a little differently. Um, I love that. There, there are just a lot of good episodes in three. Um, something we didn't talk about in the earlier seasons, one of the storylines I didn't like is um, the, the getting them in trouble with the actual police, with the FBI, having them be on their tail. I didn't really enjoy that storyline because I thought it boxed them in and it you know, kind of made them, you know, when they're on the run um, and they're, the, the police know their license plate and they know their names and I always felt like that kind of boxed them into a corner. I was kind of glad they kind of wrote themselves out of that somewhat. But I do love the episode with Hendrix when he gets on their side um, and Lilith shows up. You know, I, I think that's a very good episode, um, even if it's part of that FBI storyline. Um, but overall, the three, I don't have a lot of thoughts on three as an overall story arc. But as individual episodes, I think there's very strong episodes throughout the entire season. Uh, just a little bit of a comment. You talked about how Ghost Facers on the surface looked like it was kind of a just a silly, fun um, one. But it was Ben Edlund. It was written by Ben Edlund. So, you know, seasons three, four, and five just gave us Ben Edlund masterpiece after masterpiece after masterpiece. So not surprising that there was so much more underneath that story yeah he's one of the best by far oh, do i miss him ever had. <laughs> yeah one of the best by far yep agree yeah and sarah your overall thoughts on season three um i mean overall it's it's definitely one of my uh more favorite seasons i'd say probably uh uh three four and five are my uh favorites of all time um a lot of great episodes i know uh we've already touched on mystery spot because how can you not? Um, and Ghost Facers, again, because how can you not? Uh, but the, the one I also loved was uh, Bad Day at Black Rock with Bella. Um, I loved Bella's character. Love, love, loved her. Mostly because I love Lauren Cohen. Um, but I really did, I, I really did like her character. And the ending with her was just so heartbreaking when you find out why she did what she did and had 
had she come clean earlier, there might have been something that uh, Sam and Dean could have done. Most likely not, but you know, she uh, regretted uh, not being honest with them. Um, but that is one of my uh, another one of my favorite episodes um, because that also gives us our Sam. I lost my shoe, <laughs> lying, <laughs> which is which is another one I quote a lot and. People look at me like I have three heads. I'm like, well, if you watch Supernatural, you know what I was talking about. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's there's some great uh, great episodes in in that season. Of course, we get introduced to Ruby, who you know, it's Ruby. Um, <laughs> uh, don't love. Eh. Kind of liked her in the beginning, really hated her as the end. Um, I really kind of preferred Katie Cassidy's Ruby over uh, Genevieve. Um, nothing, nothing against Genevieve. I just liked Katie's portrayal of her a lot better. Um, definitely uh, a little bit more badass, um, rebellious, not wanting to... Uh, you got that more sense of her not wanting to be a demon. And then Genevieve came in and I just, I did not like her portrayal of Ruby at all. Um, <laughs> and eventually didn't end up liking the character anyway. <laughs> and I think we all know why. Um, so that's kind of my uh, overview of uh, season three. And you also had in bad day at Black Rock, you also had the famous I'm Batman line from Dean. So, you know, oh, that's right. Forgot about that. I can find any Dean thing to pull in. <laughs> All right. So for future reference, I'm going to have to start going by my middle name so I don't have to end up at the end where everybody gets to make all the comments I want to make. See, that's Just... usually my problem. <laughs> I know. I'm like, thank oh. you for Thank you for making me not last this time. <laughs> yeah, no, no problem. Glad to take one for the team. Um, so I, I, season three is one of my favorites. I think three, four, and five are my favorites. Um, and it's just because of the individual episodes that are in there. There's some really great ones. And again, I know everybody talks about Ghost Facers, and I just watched that one today again. Um, I realized that Corbett is actually uh, Ted on Schitt's Creek. Yep. Yeah, he's okay. like 12. <laughs> but it's oh my Ted. Gosh. I when, I'm just catching up on Shit's Creek. I'm way behind the, the the loop on that. And when he showed up on screen, I went, Corbett! <laughs> yep. Yep, yep. So there you go for the Shit's Creek fans. Uh, Corbett is Ted. Same person. Um, and I feel like he's almost like the same character. He's just kind of this like... Um, so I did love Ghost Facers. Obviously, you gotta love, you know, Mystery Spot and all of that. So I think... Season three has a lot of great, almost like standalone, like you could just watch that episode and not have to watch anything else and be fine with it. And that's what I like about three is I don't, you could just pop in and you don't need that whole background of what, what the big theme is. You know, it's not like the later seasons where you're like, oh, wait a minute, the Wild Viathans, what's happening? Or, you know, any of that stuff where you got to kind of play that game. I did not know that about Corbett. I just wrote that down because I'm going to post that on the, on the Facebook and the Twitter page because that's one of our, you know, most popular episodes is the Schitt's Creek episode. So I'm going to, have to 
post that on there. Um, that's that's awesome. Um, my I am with Sarah and Sasha with it being one of my favorite seasons. Uh, my top five seasons, and this is not in order, is three, four, five, nine, and ten, which I know some people may disagree about nine and ten, but I have my own reasons for loving those ones. Um, but I just what what I like about it is I think sometimes with shows like this network shows that have, you know, at least 20 episodes a season. I mean, Supernatural had like 22 and then they moved to 23 episodes a season. Now they've gone back a little bit is some, then you have so many filler episodes. So the seasons don't feel as tight and we have the shortened seasons. It helps. Like, I think that's what happened to Lucifer is Lucifer moving over to Netflix. They got a shortened season. And I think that helped this the just show overall. And that's one of the things I like about season three. And there are so many amazing Dean moments in season three and watching him struggle with dealing with, with his self-loathing. I mean, season three is really up there as one of the ones that highlights that the most, um, you know, dream a little dream, the whole episode where he's confronting himself. Um, the whole, that whole scene is just, Oh, write that down, Sasha. Um, I don't know if I already, did I already tell you that one? Okay, sorry. Um, <laughs> but that whole scene is amazing. Um, the scene towards the end when they're driving in the car and they're playing Bon Jovi and Sam is sad and then they sing along and then there's this moment and this plays again into Jensen Ackles' amazing acting where he's all happy and then you see that brief moment of sadness and sorrow and because he's finally gotten to the place, yeah, where he wants to survive because he didn't really feel like he deserved to survive or want to and then he's finally at that place where he wants to survive and he knows he probably won't. Um, and watching Dean get dragged to hell, that's why I say I can't imagine having to have waited to see if you got to see what happened after that. Because for a show to do that, number one, to its main, one of its main characters is pretty ballsy, really. Um, it didn't get as ballsy later on because <laughs> you just kind of got, oh, okay, who's going to die this season? Um, but him going to hell was just I did not expect that I had no, and I knew this character was going to survive because of all the seasons. So I was like, what? They actually did that. They actually dragged him to hell. I was like, something's going to happen at the last minute and Sam's going to save him or something's going to happen. And that was just incredible. Um, and very powerful. And I have to say Lilith is one of the scariest demons this show has ever had when she's in a kid's body, not so much when she's in an adult's body, but when she's in kid's body, terrifying absolutely terrifying the whole scene where she's sitting there with her family and in that little girl's body and she's having the birthday celebration and oh my god oh it gives me chills just absolute chills yeah and i know sarah and sasha i think want to add something on that go ahead sarah oh just the i don't think i like you anymore oh Oh my God. <laughs> Just, yes. I think that that was, um, I, I think that's what made her more terrifying is because mm -hmm. she preferred to possess little kids and to hear, hear that come out of a little kid's mouth and, Oh my God. Yeah. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't quite as, as chilled with the other demons, but her definitely. Sasha. Yeah, I it goes back to that. I think we talked about it during one of the horror episodes where it's like little kids are creepy, man. 
they're so <laughs> creepy and it was like just her face and everything but you were talking about katie cassidy's ruby and when she was lilith and she did that little girl voice and when she did her and her face was like mm-hmm. you know and she kisses sam and she's like your lips are so soft and she's got this like oh blah, blah. too yeah. much yeah, very yeah I've, got, I've got goosebumps now. Yeah, and Judy. Um, yeah, and her family's fear was just palpable. Mm-hmm. I love, yeah, you're right. She was probably the scariest in that child's body. She was terrifying. Yeah, and when, I mean, the mom's even like, kill her, kill her, kill her, kill her. Oh, gosh. <laughs> or when she comes up and she's killed the the dog or cat or something and she's covered in the blood and she hugs her. I mean, and you could hear the I mean, it was. Uh. Yeah. And yeah, I agree when she possessed um, Ruby and even just the way she would do like the movements of the body and like she was cracking her. Ne- or, I don't know what she was even doing. And it was just so bone chillingly creepy. I miss having demons be that creepy. But it was just, oh, yeah, definitely one of the creepiest demons ever. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's pretty much all I'll, I'll add on season three really is just, you know, I just really liked the whole arc. I loved a lot of the Dean stuff we got in there and yes, mystery spot is, I mean, you can't not mention that one and ghost facers and all that. Those were all excellent, excellent episodes. Um, Oh, I do want to mention really quickly though. um, I know Judy, you had mentioned you didn't like the whole storyline with the law and the FBI and everything. Um, I liked that a lot because I think it made sense because if you've got these these guys going across doing this kind of stuff, it makes sense that they would eventually run into the law. But what I think was such a lost opportunity with this storyline is Victor Henriksen should not have been killed. The fact that he was murdered was so stupid to me because he would have been such a great asset to the Winchesters. Um Plus, he would have—he was such a great—he would have been a great friend for Dean. And yes, I know. See, I told you this is going to infiltrate everything I say about this show, but it's true. I mean, he was just a great character in general, and I loved that he started seeing, you know, everything for what it was. And I just really, really, really wish they hadn't killed him because, oh my God, just imagine what he would have done. It, it to me, it was pointless and useless to kill him. But that's what. I, but they, but they tend to do that sometimes. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> they tend to do that a lot. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Okay, well, um, we are actually going to cut this episode into two episodes. So tomorrow you're going to get a second one. So you're going to get at least three episodes this week. Who knows? You may end up getting four. Uh, we'll see <laughs> how it goes. <laughs> um, but so we are going to be back. We're not going to really do a closeout except for I'm going to have Sarah close out because unfortunately she won't be able to stay on to do um, seasons four and five with us. So I'm going to have her close out and just I want her to be able to at least – just give any kind of final thoughts you want to that involves season four and five. Um, yeah, no, um, <laughs> I'll keep it short and sweet. Um, season four and five are, are some of my favorites. I think we got, um, you know, got into a lot more humor, um, a little bit of, uh, uh, you know, the, the comedy, especially, I mean, season five, I think it's season five gives us uh, my favorite episode of Changing Channels, um, which is just, 
epic as a season four introduces us to the angels and Chuck, um, you know, which become major characters for out the rest of the, uh, the series. Um, and I think uh, um, those are, are, are probably the best, the, the most well done of, of the series. Um, yeah, unfortunately, uh, uh, my husband has had uh, uh, knee surgery um, and is in need of some assistance, so I will not be able to stay on for <laughs> four, four and five. It happens. Um, but, uh, uh, I mean, overall, um, love, love the seasons. We get to meet Crowley, finally, uh, who has become one of my favorites as well. Um, so well done by uh, Mark Shepard. I'm pretty sure he was born to play Crowley. Um, <laughs> I can't see anyone else in, in that. Uh, it's like Misha Collins as, as Cass. I just cannot see anyone else in those roles. Um, very, very well cast in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But I, like I said, I'll keep, I'll keep it short and sweet. Cause I could go on and on. <laughs> okay. Well, Sarah, do you want to let everybody know where they can find you? Uh, sure. I am on uh, Facebook at uh, Sarah Vaccaro Barnick. It's B-A-R-N-A-I-K. Um, you can also find me on Twitter occasionally um, at Nate Cam Mom. That's N-A-T-E-C-A-M-M-O-M. Awesome. Thanks, Sarah. You can follow me on Twitter at E April Beauty. The E and the A and the B are capitalized. Be sure to like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash it's a fandom thing pod. On Twitter at fandom thing pod. No, it's in that one. On Instagram at it's a fandom thing pod. If you have any feedback, if you have anything about supernatural that you would like us to try and make sure to cover, please feel free to reach out to us via social media or our email at it's a fandom thing pod at gmail.com. And also remember to keep an eye on our Facebook and Twitter accounts for the next couple of weeks. We are going to be doing daily polls related to supernatural. So those will be a lot of fun. And on our next episode, which will be released tomorrow, we are going to be concluding our celebration of the Eric Kripke era with a discussion about seasons four and five which, of course, brought to us one of the most beloved characters on Supernatural, Cass. So until next time, remember, it's a fandom thing and Black Lives Matter.